Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Anyone who reads the Bible is familiar with the Apostle Paul, the fanatical Pharisee who hunted and persecuted Christians before he came into personal contact with the risen Lord Jesus Christ himself. After this, Paul spent the rest of his days seeking to persuade the Jews and others to understand and believe what he himself came to know about Christ and God's salvation. Today's message looks at a passage in the book of Acts where Paul is addressing unbelievers and using the Old Testament, the Law, and the Prophets to convince them of the truth of the Gospel and of their need to trust Christ. Have you ever been persuaded of these Gospel truths yourself? We trust that you will take the next 30 minutes to listen to what the Bible says about sin and salvation and that you will place your faith in Christ as your Savior. Acts chapter 28 verse 23 And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening, and some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. I would never have thought to call it Paul's last gospel meeting, but thus it was. What I wanted to focus on was the fact that those Jews who came to Paul's lodging had to be persuaded concerning Jesus. He persuaded them concerning Jesus. You see, their thoughts about the Lord Jesus were all askew. And he had to readjust their thinking about the Lord Jesus. And he had to persuade them concerning Jesus. He would have to persuade them about the true identity of Jesus. They would have regarded Jesus as just being a carpenter, the carpenter of Nazareth, a man who came from a very despised environment. But he would have persuaded them about the true identity of the Lord Jesus. Who was Jesus of Nazareth? Well, my dear friends, the Bible teaches us that he was the great creator of the universe. He spoke and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. I hope you don't believe in the Big Bang. I hope you don't think there was a cosmic explosion billions of years ago that brought this universe into being. I visited the town of Coleraine in Northern Ireland a few days after there had been a Big Bang. Store windows shattered. Cars overturned. Etc. Etc. Big Bangs create chaos. My dear friends, the Lord Jesus brought a structured universe into being. He spoke, it was done. All things were made by him. He is the eternal Son of God. They would have had to persuade, Paul would have to persuade these Jews about the work of Jesus and about the purpose for which he died upon that cross. You see, they regarded him as being a blasphemer. 
He claimed to be the son of God. And they reckoned in claiming to be son of God, he was guilty of blasphemy. And as they saw him on the cross, they would have said, he's only getting what he deserved. And their attitude was, he's being stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. This is God punishing him because of his atrocious crime of claiming to be the son of God. Paul would have persuaded them, look, he was on that cross dying for crime, not his own, but our sins. Paul would have explained to them, Christ died for our sins, and he persuaded them concerning Jesus. He would have had to persuade them about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You see, the news would have filtered through to Rome that this Jesus of Nazareth, yes, he had been crucified, and they put him in a grave, but, but on the third day the disciples came, and secretly they stole away the body of their master. And the sad thing is, my friends, Jews gave universal credence to that story. You don't have to be too clever to poke holes in that story. You would have gone to the commander of these soldiers, tell me, sir, Have your men ever slept on sentry duty before? Never. It's a capital crime. And you're telling us that while you slept, his disciples came and stole away the body. You were all sleeping. Every one of us was sleeping. Every one of us was sleeping. Well, sir, if every one of you were sleeping, how do you know who stole away the body? You say, the disciples came. But if you were sleeping, how do you know who came? And yet the sad thing is this. The Jews gave universal credence to that myth that the disciples had come and had stolen away the body and Paul would have had to have persuaded them that he did vacate the tomb on the third morning. Oh, maybe we don't preach it enough. He rose again. My dear friends, it's thrilling to know that the one who died in shame on Calvary's old rugged cross rose from the dead on the third morning. And Paul would have persuaded them concerning the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But you notice, as we've heard, he used the scriptures when speaking to them. And there were two portions of the word of God that Paul employed to speak to these Jews in Rome that day. He used the law of Moses and he used the prophets. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that from the law of Moses he would have persuaded them about their need of Jesus. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. You know that God has given commandments to regulate human behavior? And yet we say, who cares? The general attitude is, if it feels good, do it. who cares what God says? My dear friends, it's folly to disregard the commands of the Almighty. He is our creator. He knows how best we tick. And he gave regulations to control human behavior for our happiness, for our health. And we disregard them at our peril. You imagine I buy a new car. And with the car comes the manufacturer's handbook. You flip through it and there are a few diagrams and it shows me a place where I need to put oil. Uh, And here's another page. There's a diagram of where I put water. And further on, there might be a diagram of the rear part of the car, and that's where I put the fuel. But supposing I say, hold on a minute, it's my car. I will not have any Far Eastern or European dictating to me 
what I will do with my car. I'll put the oil where I choose. I'll decide where the water goes, etc. Well, at the best, the vehicle wouldn't go. At the worst, it might blow up. How foolish to disregard the manufacturer's instructions. And yet you've been doing it. Some of you folk over in the, in the annex there, and maybe even today you've told a lie, in violation of what the Bible says. There's maybe some of you in the main body of the hall, and as you've looked at someone else's vehicle in the parking lot, you've made up your mind, I'm going to have one like that. Even although the Bible says, thou shalt not. Oh, it might put me in a bit of debt and make things dip, but God has set a standard, my friends. And that standard is absolute perfection. And every man, woman, boy or girl in this gospel meeting tonight has fallen short of that perfect standard. We have violated God's law. And I want to tell you this. God hates sin. He hates my sin. He hates your sin. It's an affront to God. Every sin is an act of rebellion against the sovereign authority of the God of the universe and he hates it. And from the law of Moses, Paul would have shown them their need of the Lord Jesus. Gentlemen, you need the Savior because you're sinners. My dear friend in the meeting tonight, you need the Lord Jesus because you're a sinner who has incurred the judgment of God. And I want to tell you tonight kindly, if you were to die as you are, you would drop straight into hell and be lost for the long eternity. Oh, I beg of you, have a care for your soul tonight and realize that you need the Lord Jesus. Would to God that I could persuade you concerning Jesus and urge you to repent of your sin and to trust in him. Oh, tonight turn to the sinner's saviour. So he persuaded them from the law of Moses about their need of the Lord Jesus. And he would persuade them from the prophets about the work of the Lord Jesus. And we've heard already from Isaiah chapter 53, one of the prophets. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The place that the Bible calls Calvary. And the Bible says there they crucified him. Why was he there, Isaiah? Oh, well, he was wounded. But it was for our transgressions. Crushed. For our iniquities. Paul, why was he there? Oh, he died for our sins. Peter, why was he there? Oh, he was bearing our sins in his own body on the tree. Get a hold of it tonight, my dear friends. All our sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them laid them on him. Believing, we are free. I want to ask you, have you ever believed? Now come, face up to it in the presence of God tonight. Have you ever been persuaded concerning the Lord Jesus? It is very sad that in Matthew chapter 27, there were people who were persuaded against the Lord Jesus. As the Lord Jesus Christ was there before Pontius Pilate, the Jewish leaders were going in and out among the people, and the Bible says, they persuaded them to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. And the people were persuaded against the Lord Jesus. And it could be that in this meeting tonight there are people who have been persuaded against the Lord Jesus. You know you should be saved. But you know as well that if you say, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus now. I've been saved. I'm a Christian. They're going to ridicule you. 
they are going to think you have become odd and you don't want the stigma of being known as a follower of the Lord Jesus in a secular society. And the pressure has been on you. And they've been persuading you against the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't want to delude you. I want to be up front with you and tell you, my dear friend, if you do repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus and acknowledge Jesus as Lord, there is a stigma connected with that. Nobody's going to clap you on the back and say, good fellow. And nobody's going to congratulate you and say, we're really delighted that you've become a Christian. No, no. There will be ridicule at school, in the office, in the factory. And you've got to make up your mind about that and ask yourself, am I prepared for that? The old preachers were maybe just a little more forthright than what we are. And they would have told us this, your friends might laugh you into hell. They'll never laugh you back out again. My dear friend, it's your soul that's in the question. It is your eternity that's at stake. It is where you'll be a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, forever, that hangs in the balance. I'm appealing to you, don't allow anyone to persuade you against the Lord Jesus. Now we've been hearing about the reaction to the message. As Paul persuaded them concerning Jesus, out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, some of them believed, some of them believed not. And there was the division. And the challenge of that has been put to you tonight. Into which category do you fit? Have you believed? Or have you not believed? John the Baptist preached about that. And he says, He that believeth on him has everlasting life. He who does not believe shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You see again the division. He who believes, he who does not believe. Where do you fit in? And maybe some of you are saying, well, I'm kind of neutral. My dear friend, there's no such thing as neutrality in relation to Christ. There's only two things we can do with him. We can either receive him or we can reject him. No neutral ground. No no man's land. No sitting on the fence. You've either believed or you have not believed. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, He that believeth is not condemned. They'll never be punished for their sins. But those who do not believe, they are condemned already. We don't have capital punishment in our country anymore. And there are a whole range of men who are sitting on what they call death row. In our country, they didn't call it death row. A man would be found guilty of a capital offence. And he would be sentenced. And he would be taken for maybe three weeks. No long protracted appeals. Three weeks, possibly. And he would be put in what they called the condemned cell. And the condemned cell was a cell just a few yards from the scaffold. And the last three weeks of his life were spent in the condemned cell. And of course there were no sophisticated means of entertainment in these days. So they did all in their power to try and keep his mind off the appointment. And if he wanted to play dominoes, they would play dominoes with him. If he wanted to play cards, they would play cards with him. If he wanted to paint, they would get the easel and, and the canvas and the paints and all the rest. Anything to keep his mind off that fateful appointment with death. My dear friend, 
If you've not believed in the Lord Jesus, you're sitting in the condemned cell tonight. And the devil is doing all in his power to keep your mind off that appointment with your maker. And there are so many distractions. All the sophisticated gadgetry of the day nowadays. And it's keeping you occupied. And you don't have a care for your soul. And you never think about death and eternity and heaven and hell. Oh, I beg of you tonight, wake up. Wake up to the fact that you're sitting in the condemned cell and only a pardon from the sovereign of the universe could save the day for you. Are you willing to receive the pardon tonight? Some believed. Some believed not. They persuaded them concerning Jesus. In this Acts of the Apostles, There was a man who was almost persuaded about the Lord Jesus. And that's maybe where some of you stand tonight. It could be that you're saying in your heart, I would love to be saved. I don't mean to be lost. I don't intend to be in hell. I want to be in heaven for eternity. I've made up my mind. I want to get saved. Could I ask you when? In 10 years? Oh, you say it might be a bit risky to put it off for 10 years. In five years? You say, five years is quite a long time as well. In two years? In one? My dear friend, the Bible says, don't even boast about what you'll do tomorrow. You don't know what one day could bring forth. And in these closing moments, I want to make an appeal to any of you who are almost persuaded to become a Christian. It would be a tragedy if you missed God's salvation. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man called Abner. Abner had killed another man in self-defense. And the other man's brother was out to get Abner to avenge his brother's death. But God had made provision for men like Abner. People who'd slain others in self-defense. And scattered throughout the land there were six cities of refuge. And the manslayer could flee to any of these cities of refuge and be safe from the avenger of blood. One day... Abner stood in the very gate of one of those cities of refuge and Joab the avenger came on the scene. Oh, he pretended to show friendship to Abner, spoke very civilly to him and then dramatically plunged a sword into him and Abner died in the very gate of the place that could have been a place of refuge to him. And David, as he reflected on this, said, he died as a fool dies. His feet weren't in fetters. His hands weren't bound. In other words, he could easily have taken the step to safety, but he didn't. And he perished in the gate of the city of refuge. My friends, there's nothing to hinder you from turning to Christ tonight. You could repent right now, just where you sit. You don't need to wait until you get home. You don't need to have a conversation with a preacher. Just where you sit at this very moment, the matter of your soul's salvation could be settled. A prayer of confession, an expression of your willingness to repent, to turn from your sins. Above all, an expression of your confidence in Christ to save you because he died and rose from the dead. And in effect, you could say to him right now, Jesus, I will trust thee. Trust thee with my soul. I'm guilty, lost, helpless. But thou canst make me whole. There is none in heaven or on earth like thee. Thou hast died for sinners. Therefore, Lord, for me. Almost persuaded. It's only a step to Jesus. 
then why not take it now? Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, but doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad that bitter wail. Almost, almost, but lost. Friend, don't be persuaded against the Lord Jesus. Don't be just almost persuaded to be a Christian. Be like some of these people in Acts 28. Paul persuaded them concerning Jesus. You be fully persuaded about the Lord Jesus right now and be numbered among those who believe. For some believed and some believed not. We hope that you will be persuaded from the scriptures about the important truths that we've considered today. There is no time to delay. The Bible says that now is the day of salvation. Throw off your biases and preconceived notions about God and Christ and listen to what the Bible says. God is offering you a free and full salvation from your sins. Only by accepting Christ will you ever find the joy, satisfaction, peace, and fulfillment that you have always wanted. Come to Christ today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.